0: welcome to point me to jesus i'm your host tara mcclary reeves and i cannot wait for y'all to meet my new friend you know there are lots of things i love about technology and i believe meeting dr shauna knox is among one of my favorite things. She and I connected um, because of our passion both for the Lord Jesus Christ and exalting his name above all else. Shauna reached out to me in an email to ask a, a publishing question a few months ago, and from from that uh, just little query, um, a friendship that is an eternal one was born. And I appreciate so much that Dr. Shauna Knox has agreed to appear with us on point me to Jesus. Dr. Knox works for the U S department of education. She has a stellar, uh, resume that I'm going to allow her (laughs) to expand upon a little bit. She does a lot in the area of sex trafficking. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord has positioned a sister in Christ who loves the Lord Jesus Christ in such a pivotal area. Dr. Knox, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tara.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Tell me a little bit, Dr. Knox, um, you're, you're so specialized, especially with uh, curriculum and preparation for that. Tell us a little bit um, how the Lord has just uh, directed your steps up to this point.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey and a wonderful one. Um, I actually, for a really long time, wanted to work at the U.S. Department of Education but it was one of those things that was kind of elusive to me. I didn't know anyone who worked there. I didn't really know how one gets there. So I was a, I was a public school teacher. And then I left to kind of do my um, graduate studies. And one day I was actually at church. And um, a lady came up to me who I did not know at the time. And she asked me, you know, are you working? And I was like, well, kind of. I'm doing my graduate work. I'm doing like different service work on the side, but I knew she was kind of asking more about a career and I didn't have one at the moment. Yeah. And, um, she prophesied to me in that moment that I would work at the department of education. And I was like, wow, Lord, I, this is like a deep heart desire that I actually haven't shared. So it was kind of startling to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, was in that in between space, between like being very excited and not wanting to get my hopes too far up. And um, the Lord just used her in an incredible way. She worked at the department. And so she um, walked me through the application process. Um, and we had been separately, we started working together at church in the equipped ministry. So we were kind of teaching together at church. So our relationship grew in that, that way. And then the Lord opened the door and I was able to go into the department Um, and be in her same office so he just kind of prepared the way before me Um, so it's been a wonderful experience because I found myself now working as the um, subject matter expert on human trafficking and I again I can't really name for you how I ended up there the Lord has really just opened doors that have kind of put me in positions and people have asked me hey would you be interested in this and it, 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 it aligns with like where my prayers were in that time or what he was kind of signaling to me and the entrusting of being able to kind of be a transplant in the federal government for the kingdom in this way. It's very humbling because I'm very aware that, you know, I wasn't able to kind of strategize and navigate my way in. I literally, the Lord made the way for me. Yeah. So I'm really, invested in the Lord getting the return on his investment and trying to be worthy of the opportunity. So it's really, um, they're challenging times for sure. For sure. There are challenging times, Um, and there are moments where it's really hard to, to do what I do. Um, but I am never doubtful that the Lord has graced me to be where I am. And that's something I'm thankful for.
0: Oh, and we are so thankful for it because as much as I say, I'm, I'm thankful for technology. You really see the dark side of it. Don't you Shauna with the work that you do?
1: Yeah, it's really challenging. And it actually makes me so aware of, you know, the breadth of our calling as a kingdom to actually be addressing, you know, things as Christ on earth. There's just a plethora of issues where, it, we could even be completely unaware of the ways the enemy is operating and and destroying our children and destroying systems that should be protecting them. Um, and so it's 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 definitely the place for intercessors. You know, it's a place for um, for encouragement, for hope, for sharing in the burdens of, of the folks who we're standing with here because it would be disastrous if, if we weren't present, it would be disastrous and it would be hopeless.
0: How best can we help you with your mission?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I cannot think of a more helpful way to, 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 to participate than prayer. I there are places where we physically can't go. There are dark situations where we can't be, but prayer can go where we can't go and that's the truth you know and if that weren't the truth I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now so I I trust that and I think that as we're interceding and continuing to pray like praying without ceasing keeping watch being sober-minded being vigilant about you know taking our children back you know making sure that they are protected they're able to be children they're able to be image bearers of the father they're not violated you know these are not secondary issues and so it's 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 really doing whatever we're doing in faith you know so praying with the faith that the lord is able to redeem and that he's able to 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 take the people who are the most oppressed most marginalized most forgotten and reach into those places and shine his light there so that they can be helped
0: one thing that endeared me to your heart even more, uh, Dr. Knox, mm-hmm. is your podcast um, mm-hmm. called Further. And mm-hmm. I, I discovered it. Um, you know, you you like like me, I we we choose not <laughs> to try to make a name for ourselves. <laughs> but when the Lord impresses our heart to do something, I think you and I mm-hmm. are disciplined to to heed his call. And, and just trust that he's going to take it where, wherever he's going to take it. Um, Mm -hmm. But you've been real obedient just in the last few years to, um, to be a voice out there in the wilderness and further Mm -hmm. is such an appropriate title for your podcast. And it's so endearing to my heart to hear yours that, like I've said in numerous occasions in the past, you know, we don't reach the age of spiritual seniority this side Mm -hmm. of heaven, you know, I mean, I don't care how, I mean, Moses was 80 when the Lord started his ministry. So, you know, we put an age limit on things. Um, but until we're in his presence, that's the only time that we're actually going to be spiritually mature. So you Mm -hmm. encourage that hunger and thirst for righteousness at truth on a daily, an hourly, a minutely basis. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and the impetus behind it.
1: Sure. I'd love to. Further is a heart project. Um, it is, it's, it's kind of a reckoning of me recognizing that, and like you said, we're not arriving. That's not what's happening. We're just journeying. Yeah. We're journeying. And really, I feel that as, as time has passed, what I've seen is that sometimes we have boxes and we can just check them off Mm -hmm. and we check off enough boxes that we kind of give ourselves a pass to kind of no longer really challenge ourselves to be like Christ because we think well I have enough Christ-like monuments in my life that I personally my heart my mind doesn't have to be the mind of Christ my heart doesn't have to be like Christ's heart because I've done enough that I have this reputation of being godly uh, and it's enough for me. And I'm always challenged by that scripture in Matthew that says, you know, there's a really narrow way and very few of us find it. And I think it's really hard to look by yourself. I think it's really easy to be deceived and think that you are becoming like Christ and just not able to see that you may not be becoming like Christ. You may... have stopped being like christ and you might be like your idea of what's good enough Um, and i i am challenged to bring people along on that journey further like if we're going on a very narrow way that very few people find let's find it together and let's demystify the idea that people arrive to this place where they don't have to keep going Because I do think that that misconception causes people to lose heart because they're thinking, well, I didn't, I didn't get to who I thought I should be. So maybe this is just not for me. And then the rest of us who are actually on that journey, we're not saying it. We're not saying what it means, what it, what it actually is in practical terms, really accessible terms to live this out on a daily basis. Yeah. really wanted to demystify that. So it's almost like I'm sharing my personal journey on the podcast. Every other season I'm going, I'm entering in with different areas where I've, I see my own weakness and I'm almost just opening it a little further. And I'm very vulnerable about areas where I just, I haven't made it to where I thought I would be. And I'm, I'm grappling with the, the heartbreak of that. Yeah. And, and in, in this, in the second season, I go back to this same episodes topics and I interview other people about what it was like for them when they heard me do that opening mm-hmm. and what has happened in their life since that, what their journey has been like so that we can be in conversation with each other. And so that it never becomes, I want to be like Shauna Knox. Yeah. No, we all want to be like Jesus and we're all trying to get there yeah. and what it looks like for all of us. And let's all keep going together.
0: Yeah. I'm just like Barnabas was to Paul. You're such an encourager in that, you know, that you, you allow us the freedom uh, to understand where we are at that particular time in whatever season that the Lord has us in, but knowing his sovereignty, his grace are sufficient, you know, for whatever our need is in that moment. But I love your honesty. And I'm not sure if it was an episode that I listened to you really expressed your vulnerability in such a unique way when it came to your, um, your wedding and, uh, you didn't pick a passage of scripture that, um, most of us pick, you know, first Corinthians 13, 13. <laughs> you actually picked one from Hebrews. I believe. Yeah. Um, if I, if I'm if I've done my research correctly, can you, can you tell us a little bit uh, about that and the hope that was magnified in your marriage because of that verse?
1: Yeah, I I did Hebrews 11.1. One. I'm looking at my wall because it's on my wall right now. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. It's a substance, you know, it is the substance of what we don't see. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know which episode that was in, but I do know that that is, I guess the life verse for my marriage yeah. and probably for my life. Um, just walking into things by faith and knowing that the substance that is, well, the substance of all things is Christ. Yeah. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So we just keep chasing after shadows. Yeah. And for me, I did get to a point in my faith where, you know, I was really pursuing the Lord. Um, and it I, I didn't see eligible suitors. It just seemed like I was getting further and further and further away from even the possibility of 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 meeting someone because I was getting weirder you know (laughs) I was getting more I was really pursuing this thing and it was just like I mean there's a lot of ways not to understand why I'm choosing to live my life the way I'm choosing to live my life and I have to accept that because this is the thing I'm choosing and um when I met my husband, you know, it was the most surprising and unexpected thing for me because it was. I thought I would be um, so excited to meet my husband, but I realized that I just had a, There was so much fear now there involved for me because it's it's kind of like I guarded my heart from expecting to be married um, because I I wanted to. And so then even trying to actually see if he might be the Lord, the one the Lord has put me with to change the world, it was too, it was scary to do. Yeah. And so I think the, the thing that has been really unique and remarkable about my husband and I and our journey is just that faith has been the substance creating our lives. And that we can look through different moments and, and different experiences we've had. And just like you asked me about my job, and I could tell you about the Lord opening this door and that door, that's what our marriage has been like. And even the door to marriage was opened through faith. So it's really, it really has a unique place in my heart. Yeah. Um, and I try to be actively reminding myself of the substance of faith and making sure that I'm not out of the substance because the act of living in a fallen world means that you're actively being depleted of that substance, which is absolutely necessary. It's fuel for the kingdom. So it's wonderful to have like conversations like this, where, you know, I am pulling on your faith and you're pulling on my faith and I'm leaving in more faith than I had before.
0: One of the, um, one uh, author that I love so much in Florida is Patrick Morley, and he mm-hmm. shares an illustration of uh, a group. He was in this group actually of businessmen that had traveled to Haiti, and in mm-hmm. their travels they had met this precious orphan boy that they decided to bring back to America for for six weeks. And Shauna, this boy had never slept in a bed, much less between, you know, two sheets. He had never Mm -hmm. had three meals in a week, much less three meals in a day, Um, never driven in a car, all of these things that, you know, most of us would think are luxuries. And at the end of the six weeks, they threw a banquet for him and they asked him to speak. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that he did as he stood behind the podium was uh, his first words were, I cannot wait to go back to Haiti. And Mm -hmm. all of the businessmen were looking at the table at one another and pointing fingers saying, what did you do to him? What did you do? And, you know, don't get me wrong. He said, you know, you have given me so much physically, uh, materially Mm -hmm. that I've never had before. He said, but I have lost my day-to-day dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am Mm -hmm. completely bankrupt." He said, you know, over there, I just trusted the Lord for my every meal, for where I would lay my head at night, for my every need that Mm -hmm. I've been so distracted by all of these provisions that you, you know, have kindly offered me, but, but they, they've missed the mark, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they didn't reach to the innermost part of my yearning and my longing and my desire. And that's why okay. I think your podcast is such an encouragement because it really does. It's almost like a mirror. Um, just not, not in any way comparing it to God's word of course, but God's word is a mirror and it really shows us where we are in those mm-hmm. areas that we need to, to surrender to him to change for us in your podcast. I've found as I've listened does a very similar, um, thing as I'm looking and and seeing, yeah, you know, those questions that I have, those are, those are great questions. And Jesus is the answer, you know, discipline in his word is, is key. Um, not just Mm -hmm. memorizing a scripture, but a Appropriating the power mm-hmm. that is in that living word on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Donna, you are writing a book, or you're almost, um, I guess, wrapping up your very mm-hmm. first manuscript. And mm-hmm. can you tell our audience what the Lord has really impressed upon your heart to communicate?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, 2020,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> what a year! <laughs> yeah. And- hindsight
1: in 2020 it was a year to remember um and in it you know I found myself really just kind of with the Lord and and in my full humanity being like Lord what does this mean like what can this mean and 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 there were moments where I couldn't speak you know when When that happened to George Floyd, I just something in me was so deeply crushed that I I knew that there is no human being who can offer me anything on this. I will have to like go to the throne. There's no we'll have to return to the factory setting for this. And I, and I remember I was taking a walk and I, I was asking the Lord and I I think I actually, it was one of those silent prayers where I was just like growing weary. And I realized I'm not physically tired. I'm just emotionally exhausted and I don't even know what I need to hear. So I think I was just saying the Lord's name and he responded to me, calling me a black daughter of God. And I was really struck by that for a number of reasons. Um, I, in the church, have always felt like I am a member of the kingdom. That's what I am. I am a daughter of God. I'm a member of the kingdom. And my race is just something that happens to be like my casing on earth. Like I happen to be in this body. The body is a brown body. That's what it is. Every other meaning of what that means has kind of been assigned here, but doesn't really have any meaning to the Lord. So I really didn't speak to the Lord much about my blackness. Yeah. So when he referred to me as black, even just hearing the Lord say black daughter was shocking to me because it was almost like I realized I didn't know if I knew the Lord knew that I was black, if that makes any sense. And so it was, it was the beginning of a wonderful journey to me understanding that when the Lord formed me, like in the innermost parts of the earth, when I was woven together, before I was even in my mother's womb, he made me a black daughter of God. And every aspect of my being has a purpose. Heaven has purposed it to do something on earth. So me ignoring my blackness, is actually ignoring heaven's divine mandate for me as a Black woman. And and there was a, basically a clarion call. It was almost like the Lord was sounding the trumpet and alerting me to to stop mourning about my Blackness, but to actually receive his mind about my Blackness Mm -hmm. so I I could understand its place in my priesthood. So I didn't have to... Think about it as something that keeps me from focusing on the point. Because I do feel like in the past I've been like, okay, don't think about the race part, just focus on the point. And I felt the Lord like shifting me, like, no, no, it's all the point. I'm showing you things and I am not ignoring that you are my black daughter. And I made you my black daughter for a reason. And I want to acknowledge that you are my black daughter. And I started talking to friends about it because I wanted to know if I was crazy. And um, they were all, I mean, we we just kept crying. Every time I talked to someone about it, who is also a Black daughter of God, we just started crying. And I realized like, oh, this is something we need to hear. So I didn't start writing the book out of some desire to write a book. But I recognized that I really need to write this down so that Every black daughter of God can hear what the Lord was imparting to me about denying myself to follow Jesus but not betraying myself as a black woman in order to do that yeah. and kind of receiving the mind of Christ about who I am in my blackness. Yeah. And so I wrote the book and um it's it was it was therapeutic for me to even write the book because as I was writing the Holy Spirit was giving even more insight and I would just write a page and reread it and just be struck, struck yeah. the level of intentionality. And um, when I wrote it, there's so much scripture just throughout. It's almost very, very, very strict scripture heavy heavier on scripture than prophetic insight, specifically because that was a way the Lord was like revealing to me his arm of justice, his mercy, his compassion. These things are absolutely fundamental and not, not unique to this yeah. moment or unique to me, but unique to my revelation. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's been a wonderful experience writing the book. I'm very excited to share it. When I did Share about um my insights on being a black daughter of god on the further podcast i um my husband was sharing with me that the numbers because it tells you like how many people listen to the podcast the number is like quadrupled for that episode and it, it you know even when i listened to the episode i had goosebumps because i was like i needed to hear this um, so it's just been almost more a. Responding to an absolute need than anything else. It needed to be said. The Lord said it, and I'm just amplifying His voice yeah. and saying, This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, Black daughters of God, like He's calling us by our name yeah. so that we hear His voice articulating that. And any other earthly conception about how God or Christ or Christians feel about Blackness yeah. will have to bow to the fact that the Lord. That's the way he's referring to us. And it is a term of endearment and honor.
0: And I think- What passage of scripture do you think is most prominent in the story?
1: There are so many, um, but I think that that one in Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Just the idea of your form it actually aligns with your nature, like yeah. your, you as a reflection of God, an image bearer of God, you became a bearer, a bearer of his image before you were able to put on skin, before you put on any other versions of your form, yeah. and your form was matched to, to, to who you were as an image bearer of God, yeah. so at the very essence of your being, you are a reflection of God as a black daughter, yeah. it's not inconsequential it's not meaningless it's not frivolous it's not to be ignored it is actually intentionally when the lord was like doing his pottery and making us into his masterpiece yeah. this is a piece he intentionally included and our ign- ignoring that yeah. is turning our back to something that was important to him and honestly tara it sounds so obvious yeah. now that i I can't even imagine why I would need to have a revelatory moment to know that Yeah, it wasn't obvious. And once I started talking to other Black daughters of God who were kind of confounded by the, the notion that they had been ignoring this yeah. and dealing with the pain and agony and the unique tribulation of being a Black woman on earth, specifically in the kingdom in this moment. Yeah. It it was, it was the Lord's perfect timing to reveal to us our standing in his sight.
0: Yeah. Amen. I I just, I mean, I'm so excited to read it. Although it sounds like I may not fit your demographic, but at the same time, it's for everyone, but that's what I'm saying as women, because we all deal with insecurity, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. Uh, to be honest, you know, I, it surprises me to hear that that would be part of your your insecurity. I mean, just looking at you and just be, the beautiful you that God's created and knowing throughout scripture that, you know, God's very clear that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, and he's very clear that all races are going to be there, that we're not going to lose that identity, you know, um, mm-hmm. that we'll be, we'll be, will be in our glorified states, but we would still be recognizable by the incredible deliberate ways that he has designed each one of us. So that's what I love so much about you is just, we, we can all relate to that. And mm-hmm. the fact that you're very clear that we are created in the image of God, but you don't become his daughter until you accept um, his son, Jesus. And that's, yeah. that's another most important part. And you do a great job throughout your podcast, reminding us too, because I think, and I think you would agree with me, especially the entertainment industry has done an amazingly terrible disservice by saying, you know, we're all, we're all children of God, but you and I both know as, as um, Christians that no, that's, that is not, that's not true. You do not, you know, become a child of God until you're adopted into his family um, through your relationship with Christ Jesus. So I appreciate you carrying the banner for truth and, um and proclaiming his truth in such a real way. I mean, Shauna, you are you are a gift to our world and mm. and the way that God has appointed you for such a time as this, you mm. know, with the restlessness that um, that race has become all of, you know, I'm just really, yes, in the 60s, of course, but um, but now how it's just elevated to a point where our country is almost divided. And again, Mm -hmm. that the enemy is using this, but yet he's raising your voice up from among the ashes to just proclaim and and point people to him. And, uh, I just, I can't thank you enough for your accepting the call and Mm -hmm. undergirding yourself with godly counselors that are coming alongside you and that you are just being obedient to, to live out his word in your life. I'm just, I'm so thankful. I cannot wait Amen. to read it. Have you come up with the title yet?
1: Yes. It's black daughters of God. That's the title. Yeah. I love it. I was really intentional about not changing anything about it to kind of make it more. It, it was, it was enough as it happened. So yeah. I'm to be really keen to that. And I, and I love what you said about Jesus because I think that the real Jesus is actually not very well known. Yeah. And He's very attractive and the the thing we're all thirsty for. And I think one of my favorite things is revealing the real Jesus, not the way that people conceive of him to be or misconceptions of him, every medium, but people encountering him for themselves. I mean, this is what we're all here for. Yeah. Yeah anyone
0: want and you as an educator too i think the lord has really gifted you and as a communicator but knowing the the way to to study and you know although you know it doesn't matter i mean i think so many throughout scripture have been great examples. I mean, when the Holy spirit calls you and draws you to himself, uh, he equips you right where you are. I mean, he is sufficient for whatever um, the task is at hand, how he has used and the tools that he's given you as an educator, I think are going to be even more effective to communicate. I mean, he's gifted you to communicate to children, adults, and, presidential staffs alike, you know, I mean, just, uh, you, you truly are called for such a time as this. I'm just, am I'm, I'm mm-hmm. honored to know you. Who would you say Shauna is your hero of the faith from God's word? If you could just pick one.
1: It's definitely Jesus. I mean, I, I know that that's the cheat, but that's the one, I mean, he's my guy. And I think that I love the way that Jesus interacts with people in the word. I think it's very disarming. I mean, no matter how many times I I read a story about how he's responding to someone, I feel caught off guard still. Like, wow, that was your answer in that moment. Like, Jesus is extraordinarily interesting and so deep. His well is so deep. You never thirst again because he's that interesting. I, I think the thing is, Jesus can never be reduced to like a caricature or a trope because it is so expansive, like God incarnate. Yes. So I love reading about him. And I feel that whenever I'm reading the Bible, he steals the show. You know, he really is the word made flesh because he's the, he's the star of it.
0: What do you think yeah. has been the biggest struggle for you? Um, you're still fairly a newlywed. You're going on your fourth year of marriage, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So was quarantine, like, did the scales fall off your eyes or had they already fallen off? Because y'all are both very accomplished, as I understand it. But you know, together.
1: Yeah, we're both home together. And what it did allow us to see was there was a great imbalance in our lives. We're both really involved in our church, really involved in ministry. And I think what we weren't seeing was how much that was pulling us away from our time in the home, truly cultivating what you accurately have described as a new marriage. And these are those foundational years where we need to make sure that we're establishing something that we can build on. Yeah. And I think I've learned and we've learned much better communication and balance, and really, like, really making sure that the Lord is present here and that we are present here and intentionally cultivating that so i it was almost like a a stop that would have required that many interventions for us to slow down yeah. and if we did we were like wow we have some work to do here we need to make sure that the home is also a place where the lord is tabernacling
0: yeah don't you love the fact that, I mean, he, he calls us his bride. And yeah. when you, when you see, especially when you're in a marriage relationship and just mm-hmm. seeing that selfless sacrificial love on a daily basis, yeah. I mean, it really does get you to appreciate again, uh, your hero of the faith and in, in a renewed way. Yeah. And does it help Shauna um, in the position that you're in and um, does it, does it endear you even more to the idea of marriage because you're dealing on a daily basis with so many families that are fractured? Uh, does that cause you to pursue more passionately that, um, just that cement with your husband or, or does it, does it not affect at all?
1: Honestly, it makes it very clear that the breakdown in society is the breakdown of the family and the marriage and, you know, and it's, it's, it, it is sobering, it's humbling, it makes me extremely grateful. I, I came from a broken household, my parents divorced, and I know that side of things. And I'm, I can see now on a larger scale, how that one relationship that's meant to reflect the connection between God and man, that marriage, how it, it all hinges on that whole society together, or society falls apart. It sounds extreme, but it is it is truly humbling to be entrusted the stewardship of a marriage that's meant to reflect that relationship between God and man.
0: And I and, think you were really honest about that when, you know, going back to the verse that you chose kind of as the theme mm-hmm. for your marriage, because you at one point had said it was really hard for you to define hope at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I thought was very interesting, but we're coming from two completely different familial backgrounds, you know, because I was raised in a very godly home with parents that loved each other and demonstrated that, I mean, affection, you, you meet mom and dad. I mean, they, they won't leave without saying, i you know, Sean, I love you and give you a big <laughs> hug and a kiss and you know, they'll, it's just so, and then coming from a fraction, how old were you when your parents divorced? I was eight. Yeah. So, um, I mean, again, going yeah. back to that formative year and then, and then hope the, um, and hope doesn't disappoint us, but at that time you were disappointed and mm-hmm. how you you identify that. I mean, this is coming from your podcast and some of your mm-hmm. writing, but yet you started to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ at what age? Cause you, you had gone to church mm-hmm. probably from a young girl, hadn't you? Yeah. I
1: mean, it was very culturally, I grew up in Jamaica and everyone goes to church. We have the most churches per square mile of every country in the world. I I really got close to the Lord in college. Um, You know, I love college ministries because they are able to really change the course of people's lives. Where
0: did you go? Where did you, can you tell our audience? Yeah, sure. I went
1: to the University of Richmond in Virginia. Spiders, go spiders. And <laughs> what
0: ministry in particular? And,
1: um, so I had friends who were on the basketball team. So I was in inter-varsity, even though I wasn't in sports. And then there was another um, There was another group that I joined with, and they would go into the inner city of Richmond and do yeah. tutoring programs. Yeah. And they also met and did Bible studies. So I, I did I just joined their group as well. And then by the end of my time at Richmond, I also had started my own Bible study, which I call baby girl Bible study.
0: Oh, (laughs) did y'all pick a particular book in the Bible to study or?
1: I think we jumped all over. I think we did different ones. I think we did Romans
0: pretty heavily for
1: good reason. Uh, It sets a good foundation, but we did different chapters around the Bible.
0: You evaluate, honestly this, Mm the, 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 the direction that the Lord, and you know, I mean, he has literally directed your steps to him from that Mm -hmm. preconception all the way till now. And you're just being so obedient and diligent not to waver off that path. So, so go back to that particular eight-year-old girl.
1: Yeah. I experienced a lot of rejection and abandonment throughout my life. So that made it really difficult for me to hope. And I think even now I'm actually learning, actively learning what it means to hope so that my my understanding isn't limited to what my experiences have been, but I'm able to access the full benefit of hope. Um, but for, for the majority of my life, it's been a very dangerous place to be and not, not a place that I ever aspired to be in. I mean, even to be seen hoping, to be seen trying yeah. has been challenging for me I mean I don't mind if people know I've done something but I might not even tell them I did it but certainly that like when things are in that embryonic stage of like me desiring something and me thinking can I have that is that for me can I hope for that okay I'm letting myself hope for that And, and growing in that hope and balancing that hope with the sovereignty of God the goodness of God with the sovereign will of God who knows more than I know and will only give me what is good for me. It can be challenging because in a household like yours, your parents were so trustworthy to you yeah. that you just, you, you just knew that your best interest was being represented at any given moment. Right. So you probably weren't overly hyper hypervigilant over, about what was happening and what should or should not have been happening and yeah. what you, because your needs were supplied um that in a broken family you you learn that the thing that you might most want to never happen can happen like you learn that your parent can go away and that you know in my adult brain I can process now you'll be okay you're you're going to survive you're going to be okay but in a child's brain that rift is it's it's agonizing and it's it's, it's completely, the world has torn open and you, you can't make sense of who you can be in it. So the idea of hope after seeing your hope dashed in that way is, is complicated because it's a hope that knows disappointment. And so I think, you know, as I've continued in the Lord and I've brought to him all these shards, all these pieces where I can honestly say, wow, Lord, that, is, that was very difficult for me. And I can appreciate that you were there with me, but I still encountered it in a way that I would have hoped not to. Um, and now I want to learn how to hope in light of that information, in light of that experience. Yeah. And not ignoring my experiences and ignoring my trepidation, but also holding that up to the light of the word of God and not using, like you said, I'm going to believe this part, but I'm not going to believe that part. If you do that, you can never really pull on it to, to build faith because you don't fully believe everything that it says. But if you decided, I fully believe everything that this says, even the things that are above my understanding, then you can look at the part where you are lacking, which I often am and bring, bring it into the light of what the word has said and say, well, If everything else is a lie, you're the truth.
0: What an incredible gift you are. Amen. Oh, I just love you.
1: I love you too.
0: I really do. I am just so (laughs) in awe of the Lord bringing us together. And um, audience, as I know you must be listening to this beautiful woman, this absolutely gem of a child of the king, I'm just so incredibly thankful for her friendship. And I'm so thankful for this platform that has brought us together and allowed you, my audience, to get to know Dr. Shauna Knox and to see (laughs) God's hand so evident upon her life that God has got great things in store. And I'm just so thrilled to share this conversation with you today. Shauna Knox, you are truly a gem. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed your conversation.